Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, I like you, like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. John McRae is not just the world's foremost vibrous lap player. He is also the founder and frontman and driving force behind the band Cake and has been since the early 90s. He's a terrific songwriter, unique in almost every way, in the way that he builds songs, in the way that he delivers the vocals on these songs that he's written. But what's always impressed me most about John is how thoughtful he is and how conscientious he is and how much he cares about this world that we all are trying our damnedest to either survive or save or both. John does a lot of work on behalf of causes in which he believes. He puts his money where his mouth is. He devotes his time and his energy. The reason I got to know John is because we worked together on a group of which he was the primary founder, although he would spread the credit around, I imagine, but I remember it being very much his brainchild And then it became something much bigger, a group called the Content Creators Coalition that is a group of musicians and creative type people who are coming together to aggregate our power to work on behalf of artists' rights and the rights of creative people in the face of monolithic giants that tend to, on a large scale, devalue what it is that we do. So... John is a great musician. John is a great statesman in that he is politically active, tries really hard to make the world a better place. And John is someone who works tirelessly to help the cause of creativity and the lifestyle of those of us who try to feed our kids with this weird job. In addition to all of that, John is very kind and very funny, and all of this is stuff you're about to find out as John McRae is my guest on this episode of Wheels Off. I'm here with John McRae of the band Cake. Hello, John. 
Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, what are you working on right now, and how is it inspiring to you? Um, well, that's a good question. I think um, I'm working on mixing, which is not particularly inspiring, but it's also very gratifying if you can sort of nail the mathematics of it. You know, it's very much like an equation uh, where if there's a lot of one thing, there has to be something way on the other end. Um, um, in other words, like hi-hat <laughs> needs bass in a way. Ah. You know what I'm saying? So there's that. And so, so yeah, that's a different kind of in inspiring. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm excited when I finally can figure it out. But it's like more like a math problem than a, than a story or something. Is this uh, for a new cake project? Yeah, it's, um, we're releasing a single in January, uh -huh. um, I think. Um, uh, with one side of it is uh, a song called Sinking Ship, which is uh, sort of a negative song, <laughs> obviously. And then the other side of it is uh, a, a cover of, of The Age of Aquarius, which is an old... Oh, yeah. 70s uh, rock musical song uh, that we uh, that we covered and uh, so that's what I'm mixing right now and um, I hope I can figure out the right um, EQ for the hi-hat. It seems like Cake more than with a lot of bands the mixing is a is such an integral part of the process right because so much of what you do is like really heavily riff driven mm -hmm. and sonically yeah you know, yeah, you can either sort of have it be effective or have it be sort of, you know, just sort of maybe theoretically this is good, but it doesn't, like, move me viscerally, you know. And I guess that we do aim for some sort of visceral um, uh, sort of response from the music. In a way, it's almost like the mixing is part of the songwriting. Oh, yeah, I think so. In the same way that, like, you know, initially we used to make our own posters and videos and album covers. It was kind of a craft project that that um, that went too far, you know, that, and, uh, <laughs> you know, but it, I mean, I think this, those things are a form of expression, uh, all the different, um, you know, just it ends up being a lot of work. Yeah. yeah, but you don't seem like you've ever been averse to work. Like you're pretty hands on. Yeah, I mean, I like work. I like this kind of work. I, you know, yeah. I've had some bad jobs in the past. Um, but yeah, this is better than driving a truck for me. Yeah, I hated driving a truck. So you did that? Yeah. For whom? Uh, for uh, like a pool supply company. I used to drive this truck of like pool chemicals and hot tubs and crap and uh you know drive like all day long i'd get there i'd leave at seven and i'd come back sometimes 10 at night it was a horrible job like a big box truck like not a big long truck but yeah. a big box truck yeah Ugh. and um yeah it's just sort of it there's a lot of anxiety uh driving a big vehicle in traffic yeah all day so but i wrote some songs on the uh, on the road you know while you were driving oh yeah yeah See, that's pre-texting and driving, songwriting while driving. Yeah, I have my little, like, tape recorder, you know. Like, cassette recorder. On the, yeah, exactly, on the seat, just in case, you know. I so. pulled a cassette recorder out the other day, and my kids were looking at it going, what is that? Right, <laughs> it's pretty weird looking, yeah. But yeah, so it's, uh, you know, 
Um, this is this is a music is a and creativity or is a is a great job. It also, but it, you know, it's different when it's how you eat food. Yeah. Obviously, um, it becomes heavier, and it's even heavier when other people. It's how other people are eating food because of your creativity. Yeah, that gets even heavier. Yeah, it sort of it puts a lot of pressure on you to keep going. Yeah, work. Yeah, maybe you don't want to work. People, well, yeah, or maybe it's not whether you want to; it's whether you can genuinely express yourself. You seem like you're in a pretty active period. But I am. You, but you have in the not distant past. You've gone through a couple of little, set, you know, period stretches where you have checked out a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't with with the new sort of uh, business model of music. Uh, I, I don't understand. Why I have to record music. <laughs> um, I record music like I'm recording an album now because I want to, but I know that I won't get paid for it. Yeah. I'm just doing it because I like music. I like recordings, and that's something that I enjoy. I, I, I'm i going to have to play shows in order to pay for food while I do that thing. You know, So I, I can't really, like, you can't focus as as intently on recording anymore I th- unless you're a giant superstar sure. um, you can't just work on that you have to sort of as you know you have to sort of cut it up with oh let's, we're doing a show in Florida the, you know next week or whatever and you can't just buckle down and and, and make Sp- this thing spend four months at a castle in France or whatever yeah that'd be great yeah. wouldn't that be nice <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if there was the money to do that that's not ever going to happen again I don't think you started pretty young, and you and I both started when the old business model still held sway. Um, was there, was it always what you knew you wanted to do, or was there like an epiphany moment that you remember where you went, I want to live the life of an artist? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think about the life of the artist so much, but I did think, oh, here's this thing that I could do that. You know, and I didn't, I think I should have thought about what that life would be a little bit more. You know, I thought it through more, but I did, uh, you know, once I started getting close to that life, I'm like, oh, that's a little bit of a cruel hoax. You know, like I can see how this whole thing inverts when you get up close to it. And, but, but, but just, just the music itself. I, you know, I remember listening to music when I was, you know, 12 or 13. And I thought to myself, I could make one of those, you know, I could do that. And, you know, I think it's mostly delusion (laughs) at that point. And it's a good thing that like, you know, I didn't start playing shows at that point because it probably would have been pretty discouraging for me. Um, But I kept doing it. And so, and then for enough years and then it started sounding better. God, when kids come to me and ask about that, I I always talk about the, like it takes a hundred songs before you can write a good song. Did I mean? Was, yeah. Were there a lot of years where you were? Yeah. Just creating. Yeah. So a hundred songs, or have, you know, more accurately for me at least, a hundred like song fragments yeah. that are really cool that might be that you think are really cool for one really good one that you want to finish, and then you know, so you get ten songs that are solid songs. You're not going to be able to like arrange all those in a way that does those songs justice. So then maybe you know maybe it's just like 
three out of ten that you'll find arrangements for. Is that something that you go to collaboration for, or is that something you just lean on yourself? I I sometimes go to co- collaboration if I don't have a an idea ahead of time. Um, sometimes, um, though, I'll have like you know I'll know what has to happen. Sometimes I'll know what has to happen, and I'll go to other people for collaboration and regret it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's hard to undo that, often, right? Right. Well, because there's a social uh, weight to this thing, you know. Somebody else has worked on your song. It's hard to jump ship. Yeah, and I mean, and we tend to like the people that we work with, but then it's hard to hurt their feelings. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's this is the this is a timeless struggle, <laughs> you know. Um, what do you do? So to me, you have always seemed. Um, well, you, uh, I won't say that you seem self-confident because you, you, you definitely seem like you acknowledge your sort of inner struggles, but you, you seem like you're a really self-possessed artist, but I wonder when you, when you go to create, are there negative voices in your head that you have to deal with? Is there, I know a lot of people I've spoken to and I myself have sort of dealt with an imposter syndrome thing that mm-hmm. happens where you feel like you're going to get called out for being a fraud. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you overcome that? What do you deal with? Oh, I don't. Yeah. I think, I think some of those voices are helpful, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so just like, let's just assume that everybody's a fraud. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know, probably it's more true than we'd like to admit. Um, but then, you know, hearing those voices that say, well, this sounds fraudulent. That's a helpful thing, I think, within the the context of, like, maybe not the inspiration process, but in the editorial, like, sort of process where you have all these verses that you've written. And just to know, just to be able to know that this verse sounds fraudulent is probably a really good, a good voice in your head. But, you know, I don't think those two things happen concurrently very often. So it's like you write, you come up with this thing that you completely believe in. That's like, like you're Jesus or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) And then later you go back to it and you say, well, I like this one bit, but the rest of it's crap. And so it's, you're not Jesus anymore. It's like, you're, you're more analytical about it. it. You're, you're actually... You want to know if something sounds fraudulent. So it's like a trick we play on ourselves yes. in the first draft. Yes. Where we build ourselves up. Yes. And then the second draft, you really have to be... Yeah. And, and how many times is your subconscious mind going to fall for that shit? You know, oh. up front. Yeah, yeah. You know, that this is... It's all messianic and everything. <laughs> you know, and then... Oh, okay, well, we're going to chop a, a chunk off of this thing that was like... The second coming of Jesus, we're yeah. going to cut a piece off and use it for this shitty pop song. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> Do you feel like when you're younger, it's harder to get the second half of that equation right? Like, yeah, probably. Yeah. And older, probably, maybe the first half, you know? Yeah, that's really true, right? Yeah. As you go, it's it's harder to, to build yourself up and believe, yeah. believe your own hype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But perhaps... When you're able to, I don't know. I mean, I, I see, I see you and and your band making records that are still relevant and and people still connect with them, and 
that kind of perseverance seems to speak to me to something that's really important in creativity. I mean, how have you been able to keep it going? You know, mm-hmm. do you ever have that feeling like, okay, isn't it enough? Yeah, right. Does, don't you have enough of these songs? <laughs> yeah. Right. Why should you absolutely have to make more? You know? <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, that's a good question for Western civilization generally. Like, what? What is? How? How do we decide this? You know. Um, but I think uh, I just have to go with my instincts and and whether I still have a few things to say. Um, I don't necessarily think that there should be some, you know mandatory uh sort of thing where you have to you know release an album every two years or whatever i think that's that's ridiculous um but i you know so i i do think it should be just the individual where the individual has things that they want to ideas that they want to put out there um yeah that's that seems market imposed like kind of arbitrary right i know i mean the good thing about having the music industry implode was there's no right or wrong anymore. Like I'm this, this, what we're doing now is we're just releasing a series of singles, um, this year into next. And then, um, maybe at the end of them, if we feel like it, there'll be a full album, but you know, we're doing it sort of the reverse of the, you know, the way it's been done, but there is no reason to do anything right anymore. Really? Like in terms of like pragmatism, there's no like, oh, you can't do that because, because why? You know, <laughs> because why? You know, there's no reason why. Nobody's getting paid, so who cares? Before we were talking about the upside to the sort of negative chaos that's in our world right now, and maybe this is the sort of artistic version of it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. At least there's a, there's a little bit of silver lining. Yeah. I remember there was an interview with Bowie and Rolling Stone years before... I myself acknowledged that the music business model was collapsing mm-hmm. and he was talking about its imminent collapse. And the thing he pointed out was that in a world where there's no riches to be had via mm-hmm. music, the only people making music will be the people who just kind of have to make music. Or else they'll have to be on meds or something. Yeah. yeah. Although when I spoke with Roseanne Cash, she said, but that's a really like, that's an easy thing to say when you're sitting in a, yeah. In a position of, you know, relative wealth and yeah, he sold, comfort. I, I think he sold his catalog to, like, Wall Street or whatever. I think <laughs> So probably right as he was realizing this ship is going yeah. down. It's like, hey, you want to buy my catalog? <laughs> um, so finally, if you were to come across a 21-year-old version of yourself working in today's world, what advice would you give yourself? Uh um well so i'm the same person though you're the same person yeah but it's today so okay yeah today that's a good question um (laughs) that's a hard question to answer fred armison said that he would tell himself to get his wisdom teeth taken care of (laughs) (laughs) okay i like that doesn't have to do with art um yeah um I don't know if I would give myself any um, warnings or information. I just think you're, my belief is that you're supposed to um, have problems, you know. So I, I don't really want to help myself avoid problems. So, yeah, it's weird. 
it's weird that I feel that way, but I think I do. I think I, I think I wouldn't give myself any advice. I, I think you and I have talked about this before about the idea of our kids growing up rich. It's kind of that same thing. It's like, not that our kids are necessarily in great danger of that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's that thing, right? You don't. It's like if it's too easy, then who are you? Maybe we're right. Maybe we're sculpted by our difficulties. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you you can create monsters of other people by um, smoothing out their difficulties. Um, I just uh, dropped my son off at school today and he was very cavalier leaving the house. And, oh, I shouldn't talk about my kids. But anyway, I think <laughs> I, think I will. Um, he was very cavalier leaving the house and... Uh, uh, and didn't have was you know I you know I reminded him hey you know do you have everything is everything uh, and, and but he's all being you know super silly and and like okay let's go and we get to school and he forgot his boots and they're doing this thing where they need some some boots and he's supposed to bring them and and he wants me to go back and retrieve his boots for him and then his teacher like oh look there's this somebody left a pair of boots in the uh, lost and found you can wear these no problem. And, you know, he sulked about the whole thing and, you know, didn't like the pattern on these boots <laughs> or whatever. And, and so, you know, I was conflicted for a minute, you know, about, oh, should I just go? And, you know, I don't want, to, I don't want him to be sad. But I just thought, you know, it's, it's good for, for there to be, you know, some, some, some vicissitude, some, 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 some consequences of, uh, uh, for, especially if nobody's arm gets chopped off, nobody's going to get hurt with this. This is just like the pattern of the boot is wrong. So, you know, anyway, so I didn't retrieve his boots. He wore the pattern boots. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a similar thing. You know, um, somebody didn't have Thanksgiving with their family because every time she has uh, Thanksgiving with her family, her brother's, make her do everything she's just like the thanksgiving holiday slave or whatever and so she just like took her family somewhere else and they had a great time and 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 we said you know you're cre you're going to create monsters of these people by letting them like make you into their slave you know like that's you're creating bad character and in not letting there be you know problems for somebody that's not pulling their weight yeah so that's funny. So that question of what would you tell a 21-year-old version of yourself becomes a different thing when, I mean, you and I both have kids. And it's that's like an actionable situation yeah. where we are sort of looking at, and they're not versions of ourselves, but the ego makes it a little bit. Yeah, and you want to protect them from stuff and sadness and, you know, uh, but I think there's also something you said for having to figure things out for yourself and know that you figured it out. Yeah. You can't, I don't know if you can shepherd everyone. Yeah. Um, well, I've, I've always really enjoyed watching the way you work. It seems like you really care about the work for its own sake. And I am really grateful for everything you've done with the Content Creators Coalition and, and your work with in you know, politics and activism. I just, I think you're super cool. And I'm really grateful that you talked to me about creativity today, John. Thank you. Wow. Thanks. Rock on. All right. You rock on. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. 
Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.